Hello and welcome to the Let's Guide podcast, the ultimate podcast for Google Local Guides. You're listening to episode number nine and the topic today is local language categories. The list of categories that you can use in Google Maps is of course designed in English and the category names are then translated for use in the other languages. So what is different about these local language categories and what should you pay attention to when using them? Before we dive into the contacts, I want to please beg you to take into account that I only know European languages myself, so apologies in advance if some of the things said here make no sense for, for example, Asian or African languages. And feel free, of course, to add your comments. I will share the contact details at the end of the episode, as I usually do, and of course also include them in the show notes that you can find on the letsguidepodcast.com website. I want to also point out that I have no official affiliation to Google or the local maps team. I'm just a local guide like most of you. Everything you hear is there for my personal interpretation of things. This episode is recorded at the mid of July 2019 and the situation uh, you will hear described, including a lot of numbers in today's episode, is of course as it is today and might change at any point in the future. Let's get started! On Google Maps, every place or point of interest, as it is commonly referred to in the Local Guides program, so every place has a category because it's one of the mandatory fields. It describes what the main business is or the main uh, function is of the point of interest. Let's say bakery or dentist, primary school, whatever. That's the category. Those categories are originally designed, or the list of them is originally designed in English, as Google is, of course, an American uh, company. And that shows directly in the full lists, because one of the main differences between the original English list and the uh, list of uh, categories available in other languages is that there are fewer of them in the other languages. That's, of course, because the list is designed based on the situation and the society in uh, the United States and a number of the categories do not apply or do no longer apply in the current situation in a lot of other countries. So it comes down to uh, in the full list in English to 4000 more or less to be exact, 3,950 at the time of recording versus just under or just over 3,000 in a lot of other languages, but also varying uh, across the languages. So not uh, each of the languages has the same number of categories. To name some examples, there are 2,826 categories in Swedish, 2,866 in Dutch, and in Spanish, 2,910, we go to 2,945 in uh, German. And finally, our friends in uh, France or the French-speaking countries are more lucky because they have 3,148 different categories at their disposal. We'll get uh, more into detail on that later on. As some of you might have experienced yourself already, the translation of categories is sometimes quite problematic. 
There are a number of reasons for that. The main one is there uh, are different ways, of course, that life in general or society is organized. An example can be where in which kinds of uh, shops is alcohol sold? Where is it legal to sell it? In continental Europe, for example, alcohol is uh, simply sold also in supermarkets. In other countries like US and some other countries, it's, uh, there's much more stricter regulation. How is the educational system organized? There are categories referring to different types of schools and in a number of countries, the uh, system or the, the way those are divided, the, the types of schools is different than in other countries. The result is that there are different uh, uses of the categories because the concepts, be the concepts behind those category names are interpreted in a different way. Another reason that can lead or another point that can lead to uh, problems is that uh, corresponding terms in the different languages are often quite close, but not identical. An example here is the category grocery, which is translated into German as Lebensmittelgeschäft, which is literally translated a place where they sh uh, sell goods to live. Um, this is then interpreted uh, by the German-speaking uh, people, it seems, also as, for example, supermarkets, because an entire chain and one of the biggest chains in, of discount supermarkets in Germany, Aldi Süd, all of those are uh, marked as uh, Lebensmittelgeschäft. So if you translate it or if you switch to uh, English interface, you will see those as grocery while they are quite clearly a discount supermarket. So as is often the case in international uh, contexts, the translation, it's uh, often not just translation, but also a need for localization. But that's a discussion which really often pops up in uh, international context. The differences between the versions of a language, that's my next uh, point I want to address. Because within one single language, which is used in different countries, there can be differences between the versions of those languages. Let me give a few examples for those I have now just confused quite <laughs> immensely. Uh, Dutch, it's uh, spoken in the Netherlands, but also in the northern part of Belgium. And the almost 3000 categories there are almost identical, but there are just a few examples where there is a different term. For example, for gym, the uh, version in the Netherlands is fitness centrum, which is your fitness center. And in Belgium, they use sportschool, sports school. Yeah. Dutch is also just like English, a uh, Germanic language. So you might, uh, that explains, I mean, the uh, similarities you might hear between those languages, of course. So those were uh, just a few uh, minor differences. There's more differences in another example, uh, which is Spanish, because there's Spanish as it's used in Spain, but also Spanish as it's used in the countries of Latin America. There's even a difference in the number of categories there. There were uh, 2,910 is 
you remember correctly from the intro in uh, Spain, so the Spanish used in Spain. If you check for Argentina or Uruguay, for example, you will find 2,932, so 22 more categories. And also the way the categories are described is different between the two. For example, for the category uh, golf shop, which was one of the new ones earlier this year or end of 2018, have to check again. Uh, it's Tienda de Artículos de Golf in one and just Tienda de Golf in the other one. So that's uh, a quite systemic difference between the two. If you ask me, they don't make enough use of this possibility to make distinctions per country because uh, if I return to the Dutch example, which is my mother tongue, so I'm most familiar with that one, there are a few differences, uh, but there could be much more because some of the terms are uh, also used in Belgium or the, the Dutch uh, term is used in Belgium, but there's very clearly a, a Belgian Dutch one, which would be much more clear to the local uh, inhabitants. For example, for physiotherapists uh, in Belgium, everybody will say kinesist, which is a word which uh, does not appear in the list of categories. Perhaps to improve this, Google can tap into uh, the extremely rich source of local info they have at their disposal. And I'm referring to local guides, of course. On Local Guides Connect, the official forum provided by Google for local guides, I found something uh, very interesting with regards to this topic by the uh, level 10 local guide C underscore T. He writes, I have noted that users make a lot of mistakes while spelling the names of a place while creating a new entity. And he discovered that the automatic translation of the name then led to a wrong category being given. The specific example was a bakery shop. He found spelled a number of times as bakery shop. So B-A-K-A-R-I. And that translate in his local language as goat shop, which is obviously hilarious as he puts it. And if you think there are never problems with the English categories, well, think again. Those can also be quite problematic. A good illustration is the category pharmacy that was missing for a while in the selection list. Well, it was still there around as category, but with your interface in English, you simply could not select it. There was a workaround. You could switch the screen language to another language you know, and then select the category there. For example, French, pharmacy, it was in the list. If you switch to German, Apotheke, it was there. So you could select that category in the other language and then switch back to uh, English and you would see, okay, the point of interest was marked as pharmacy. At this point, I'd like to elaborate briefly on that topic of switching the language of the interface. I made that sound very uh, easy in the previous part. Let's uh, dig into that because there's different ways of doing it depending on which platform you're on, the desktop or Android. Those two I can explain to you. If it's the same on iPhone or not, I have no idea because I've never used an iPhone. Perhaps that's a good topic for an upcoming episode. What are the 
differences in functionalities between the different platforms, but then I'll need assistance from one of the listeners with a uh, iPhone. Yeah, just leave a comment if you're interested, of course. On the desktop, you can switch the language within Google Maps itself. You just go to the hamburger menu, which is the three horizontal stripes in the top left corner. You open the menu and you just uh, select language. It's one of the options and select one of the languages in the list. It's quite a long list. On the mobile device or on Android, it's not possible in the app. You need to make the switch of the language at device level. So you need to switch your entire phone to another language. Sounds radical, but is quite easy. In fact, you just open the settings and there you go to the system uh, menu item, which is the info icon. There you select languages and inputs, the globe icon. And in the list you then see, you can just drag and drop a language you want to the first position. And within a second or two, the entire device will switch to the other language. And also everything in Google Maps is then in that language. Should the one of the languages that you want to select not yet be listed in the list, there's an add language button that you can simply use to download or install another language. And that's also really easy. Another challenge when it comes to categories and using them with another language and English as your interface language in Google Maps is that some English categories are not translated, but still show up in the lists if you're uh, working in another language, which seems nice, you could still select it, but is quite problematic to use them because often if you use one of those English categories, uh, the category will not show up when you use maps in the other language. So you select the category and then you go back and you will notice that the category field is simply empty in the other language. And that is very annoying, of course, because then it says add category as if there's no category at all for this point of interest. So be aware of that. And that's especially the case when new categories are added. It usually takes up a few weeks before uh, they show up in the translated versions, but it seems that it can also take months because the la uh, latest bunch I reported uh, or I found early May, and we're now mid-July and they're still not available. So problematic, if you ask me. It's also not always clear why certain categories are translated and others are not translated. Let me give some specific examples. There's the category Dogsled Ride Service. Well, clearly this is uh, not needed in countries where there is no snow. And there's quite a few of those, I think. But on the other hand, Snow Removal Service and Snowmobile Rental Service are translated. Weird. Another category is uh, labeled EFTPOS Equip Equipment Supplier, and that stands for Electronic Funds Transfer at Point of Sale. I guess that's very rarely needed and probably in very few countries. Another reason not to translate a category uh, can be uh, 
illustrated by the example of fruits wholesaler. That is not translated, but quite clearly because it was a kind of duplicate for fruit wholesaler. So fruits, plural, is not translated because fruit wholesaler is obviously the same thing. Sometimes it's hard to spot the logic because city department of transportation is translated in most languages that I checked, but the city department of environment or the city department of public safety, which you will probably find in a lot of places, those categories are not translated. Same goes for the municipal department of tourism is translated but not so for the departments of sports or culture. Weird, if you ask me. As I said at the beginning of the episode, there's about a thousand category difference between the original English list and the translations. And in some cases, it definitely makes sense to not translate them. But in other cases, it would make sense. An emergency locksmith service. Well, if you ask me, people forget their keys all over the world. So would make sense to translate, I guess. Fireworks supplier, also not translated, but as far as I know, people celebrate all over the world. Another one is glass cutting service. Glass needs fitting in non-standard shapes everywhere, I guess. Jewelry manufacturer, also not translated, and neither is medical equipment supplier. To my knowledge, that can be found everywhere too. As I mentioned before, there are also differences in the number of categories available per language. And that obviously suggests that some categories are translated in a number of languages, but not in another number, in a number of other languages. And it's also not quite clear why. A few examples there. Dessert restaurant is available in Dutch, in French and in German, but dessert shop is available in German and French, but not in Dutch. University faculties. The Faculty of Law is available in all languages I checked, but for example, the faculties of Pharmacy and Psychology are available in French, but not in uh, German or Dutch. And to keep the best example or the best for the last, Nudist Club is available in all languages I checked, where Nudist Park is only available in French. What does that reveal about the French? And to make things even more confusing, in some cases different English categories are translated with the same word in different languages. For example, in Dutch, general store is translated as supermarket. But of course, also the different category supermarket is translated as supermarket. In French, this uh, category general store is translated as épicerie, but also grocery store. The category grocery store is translated in French as épicerie. The result, for example, in Dutch, if you start typing supermarket to find the category, you are shown a list where two times the word supermarket is uh, marked one beneath, below the other. And you really have no clue which one you are selecting. Are you selecting supermarket as you want it or are you really selecting general store? You can only avoid that by switching language interfaces as we discussed before. I never said local guides, being a local guide was going to be easy. 
Some categories finally were created for uh, use outside of US because they are written in the local language directly and have no real equivalent in English. One I found uh, for Dutch is the word uh, is the category fritu, which is a place where they sell French fries and snacks. And finally, to close off, I want to also point your attention to the fact that some categories have been added in the past but are no longer available for use by local guides, but you can still find them on points of interest that had received them when the category was still there. But it's no longer in the list of categories that you can use. So if you want to uh, add it to an existing uh, point of interest or use it when creating a new one, that category that you see on other points of interest is simply no longer there. Just something you need to be aware of. For those who want to have a more detailed look themselves into the topic of international categories, I will gladly uh, include a link in the show notes to a tool that delivers you a list of all categories in any language you choose. It's really meant for the Google My Business program and it's from a uh, company that I have no idea how to pronounce it exactly, but it's written P-L-E-P-E-R.com. What a great idea! In What a Great Idea, I like to highlight one of the ideas submitted to Idea Exchange, the section of Local Guides Connect, the official platform provided by Google. There, you as local guide can submit your own suggestions to improve Google Maps or improve Connect itself. Some of the ideas submitted there will actually be implemented. Some already have. And uh, as it happens, one of my ideas uh, will be implemented as well. I received a notification about that a while ago. And another one uh, got the status, the status revisit later, which means it's a good idea, but we can't use it or we can't implement it right now. Don't expect, however, that this will happen immediately for each idea you submit. There's more than 3,000 ideas submitted, and I myself have submitted 28 so far, with, as I mentioned, one uh, status will be implemented, one uh, revisit later. This week, the idea is uh, I want to highlight is uh, submitted by M.W. Jones and is called Ability to Cancel Pending Edits. We all make mistakes, except for me, of course, my edits are always perfect. Kidding, of course, you might have picked up the ironic undertone there. And you often notice or realize that you've made an error exactly two nanoseconds behind, be, uh, after uh, the hitting the submit button. So there, uh, this idea to, uh, to provide some possibility that you can cancel pending edits would be very nice. I'll, of course, make sure to include a link to that idea in the show notes, and then you can vote for it yourself. That's all I have for this episode, but please do reach out to me uh, with your comments and remarks about the podcast. You can just send an email to letsguidepodcast at gmail.com. Reach out to me on Twitter. You can find me there as Local Guides Guru, or of course on Local Guides Connect under my real name, Jan van Haver. 
The show notes you can find on the homepage of the podcast, which is, of course, letsguidepodcast.com. If you like this episode, it would be great if you could also listen to a few of the other episodes if you haven't done so, and then obviously leave a rating and or a review in your favorite podcasting app, which, by the way, now also includes, finally, Google Podcasts. The next episode will be a very special one because then we hit the double digits. Then we will have 10 episodes, which is quite an important milestone, if you ask me. So for that special episode, I've also selected a very nice title. That will be Level 5 in a Day. Game over.